Welcome to the Arts Village people. This is the podcast where the village highlights its upcoming events and showcases some artists and creators in our community. We're your hosts, Georgia Francis. And Tara Prieto. And thank you for joining us today. We have some very special guests, Ian Fraser and Anne Somerville. But before we go into the very interesting copa that they are on to chat about, we are going to do our usual community highlights with our little sting. Community highlights. Now that, you know, restrictions are gone and things, we've actually got quite a lot to talk about, which is pretty cool. I want to start with thanking all of our stall holders and everyone who came along to Art on the Green. Today was is Tuesday the 26th and it was, what, three days ago? Mm-hmm. So not long ago, still kind of recovering from it, but it was a really nice day and it was really nice to actually see everyone, mm-hmm. especially after, you know, having to cancel and postpone and cancel and postpone. And so thank you to everyone who came along. And hoping next time we have it on the park, we won't have to postpone it. Yep. Otherwise, we've got other things coming up as well. Um, if you're an artist, we've got a community exhibition coming up. It's called Under the Stars. It's a celebration of Matariki here at the village. And if you're a Rotorua-based artist, we'd like you to join us. We've got forms available online and at the front desk. But otherwise, you can check out our Facebook page for more details. The delivery of works will start on Friday, 27th of May. And the exhibition will be on June all of June and um, the only limit is you can only submit one work and it has to be somehow related to Matariki and that can be anything to do with the new year Mm -hmm. Um, it can be a reflection on your year the people that made your year or about Matariki itself it can be anything you want and yeah only one piece that's the only restriction so you can submit what you like yeah finally another community exhibition (laughs) we love that yeah also coming up uh, we've got community and family day which is this coming 14th of may so two weeks from now um this is where we feature our local groups and organizations uh, to put up a table and um, meet everyone else here in rotoroa and also for our community members to engage with other groups we've sent an invite out but if you do want to um, get involved in the event just feel free to get in touch with us yeah and i'm um, speaking of exhibitions this is not a village one for once there is a fundraiser at lockwood show village mm-hmm. and i believe that is for st faith's church at ornimutu so i believe that started began on saturday the 23rd and that runs for a little while so go check that out obviously it goes to a very good cause mm-hmm. other exhibitions we have an exhibition opening well, it will be open by the time this comes out, uh, the 29th of April by Natasha Manuson, um, Against the Clock. Very last minute exhibition, but worth it. Mm, it embodies <laughs> and, the title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we also have a job going. My job. Um. <laughs> Cue sad music. <laughs> This is my announcement. I'm leaving. Um, Sorry, Ian. I'm leaving after the the exhibition opens. That's fine. (laughs) If anyone is interested in being an activities coordinator for a great non-profit community arts organization, send your CV in to manager at artsvillage.org.nz. And um, you can also check out the listing on the big idea for more details. Other than that, our other announcement is of a very special exhibition coming in May, which we're going to chat about more now but first off ian and Ann, do you want to introduce yourselves give us a little chat about who you are what you're you go first Ian. <laughs> okay i'm ian fraser and i'm dr wallace's grandson and innis fraser's 
son, Dr. Wallace, is the artist that we're exhibiting, and Miss Fraser is his daughter and the stalwart of the uh, Rotorua Arts Village. And I'm Anne Somerville, and um, for 23 years I worked over at the museum, and in a way that's how I was introduced to not only Dr. Wallace's wonderful work, but also to his wonderful daughter, Innes, and in a way that's one of the things I'd like to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, just for um, our listeners, so coming up in May we have a exhibition for dedicated to the work of Dr. Stanley Wallace, who was kind of a yeah a local doctor, um, and later in his life turned to the arts, and um, so this is an exhibition of his work and also just his life. I think it will have um, some aspects as well of Innes's life and just the Fraser family, and also a very special thing um, with generous donation from the Fraser Fraser family. I can never say that. <laughs> um, we are getting to rename uh, Studio One to the Wallace Gallery, which is very exciting. And so all that will be revealed on the 6th of May. Um, They've kindly renovated Studio One for us as well, which it's going to be nice and flash for the opening. We're having an amazing celebration of Dr. Wallace Mm -hmm. and the Fraser family in May. And um, just wondering... Ian, can you tell us a bit more about your grandfather and kind of what he did for the community? Because I know he was such a huge figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he came to Rotorua uh, in 1919 to run initially the Soldiers Convalescent Hospital, uh, which is now the Rotorua Public Hospital. He came as a sportsman. He loved his cricket and the the records of him playing cricket, one half the season in Christchurch and then the rest of the season in Rotorua. And he went on to represent uh, the Bay Plenty at cricket and also Rotorua as a golfer. So he had a lot of interest in sport and he also got very interested in the needs of the community as he saw them as a doctor. So helping to set up uh, particularly the St John's Ambulance Society in Rotorua, but also Plunkett and things of that nature. He, he had a particular interest in children with polio. He helped mm-hmm. set up the Wilson Home and Takapuna in Auckland, which is still going and treating children with um, physical difficulties. But uh, in about 1938, he had pneumonia. He lost a lung. He became a diabetic. Mm -hmm. And he also had a heart condition. And that really stopped him a lot of his physical activities. Mm -hmm. So he turned to painting, which he had thought about for a while, but never actually done. He actually started doing it in the early 1940s. And then he really progressed from there. And you can actually see his progression uh, in this mm-hmm. exhibition. Mm, great. And um, could you tell us more about um, like his style and the art that we're going to see? Because I've seen a little bit of it, but I know that actually Tara hasn't. No, I have not. Um, from what I've seen, I've seen a few abstract pieces, mm-hmm. um, maybe if kind of some cubist work. And Anne, even you can interject if you want. <laughs> yeah. So at the time he started painting, New Zealand art was fairly hidebound. It was very much landscape orientated and very much a depiction of the, the landscapes and some beautiful work were done. But what he was interested in, I think, was the cubist ideas that were coming in and particularly Mm. through Cezanne, but the Mm. others as well. And he learnt about them through books and 
he was just interested in, in a cubist type interpretation of the landscape and then he increasingly went from that to, to a more abstract style and uh, he was greatly um, helped by Pat Day, Melvin Day, who was a young man uh, who had been trained in, in art at Elam and he was living in Nongataha and the two of them worked together and I think helped each other enormously and pushed each other to really think about the landscape very deeply in a more cubist, abstract type fashion. And he was at the forefront. There were various artistic groupings in New Zealand that were starting to explore this down in Christchurch, particularly Colin McCann, and up in Auckland, Johnny Weeks, but uh, also a number of other uh, Aucklanders, and in Wellington as well. So there, there were these groupings, but uh, there wasn't that much communication between them because it was difficult. And uh, mm-hmm. and so they tended to go off in their own little directions, but then they'd come in and have the exhibitions and they see what each other was doing. And my grandfather was at the forefront of that movement, but of course it's progressed beyond that since he died. Mm, that's really interesting. He was yeah. kind of a leader in the community, I suppose, in that. Well, it was really a very fertile little group here in Rotorua. It's been called a hotbed of modernism <laughs> and it was people oh. that um, Ian just mentioned Melvin Day and John Weeks and a whole variety of other people Ian what was the, the relationship to the Thornhill group that was a very influential group wasn't it came out of Elam but um, they were all part of that as well is that right yeah there, there was the Thornhill group and the Rutland group that's right and yeah. uh, I think uh, the Rutland might have been more Johnny Weeks. Yeah. He sent it around him. The Thornhill, uh, not, not quite sure of that he exhibited with both. But it really was quite a lot happening in little old Rotorua and around about 1945 onwards, which really was some of the best art that's ever been produced in this area. Another influential person was another doctor who was over at the bathhouse, um, John Cam Duncan. He mm. was another... Um, person that uh, your grandfather went out painting with, wasn't he? Mm, he was. Yeah. And uh, Cam Duncan really set Grandad on the way. He was very much uh, uh, pushed him to start working and start doing art. The, yeah, it's interesting because both of them are doctors and here they are with this sort of <laughs> sideline, yeah. which in many ways is... It, although both of their work was was really, in many ways, groundbreaking work, particularly your grandfather's um, work at QE with the soldiers after World War II, mm. or during that, he had a groundbreaking way he treated people as the whole person rather than just the injury. And so he did a great deal. But also, he has this sideline in extremely creative <laughs> and interesting art. Yes, um, and he tended to combine the two. So he created a, a studio within the hospital. And when he set up the Rotary Society of Arts, then all these people like Zoe Island and Jan Nigro, who was in the area then, they come into the hospital and have a studio and a ready supply of patients they could draw. And yeah, it was very much centred on the hospital and on art. It it was amazing. And I've seen some of the work that the soldiers created because we did an exhibition called A Place of Kindness. Mm. And I think that sums up the whole ethos of of Queen Elizabeth, the 
the soldiers' hospital, convalescent hospital, it was a place mm. of kindness. They even took the the soldiers out on boats and they encouraged them to meet local girls and all sorts of things. <laughs> and they, they just had to have a, a rest period in the afternoon where <laughs> nobody spoke. And um, I think that Wilfred Stanley Wallace was a, a really creative and, and far-sighted, kind man. That's so cool hearing about that. Like um, when I think about uh, the mahi here at the village right now surrounding creativity and well-being, yeah. I feel like, oh, that's definitely something that um, Dr. Wallace has seen yeah. even. So the co-papa was set earlier yeah. on. And I think he also straddled the Maori and the Pākehā worlds with ease and was deeply respected. And that carried on right through to Innes, didn't it really, Ian? It did. It did. He treated a lot of the returning Māori 28 Battalion mm. members, and I think through that gained a deep understanding of Māori and Māori health. But even more interestingly, there was a smallpox outbreak mm. in about uh, 1913, and he at the time was a final year medical student down in Otago, and they brought him and a group of, there were a group of 12 of them that came up into the Auckland and Northland area and their job was to vaccinate Māori mm. uh, for smallpox because it was primarily mm. raging through the Māori mm, community. Terrible, terrible. And I think that it was through that that he realised the disconnect between the Māori mm. and the colonial health system. Mm. And I, I, in my head, I think he was really interested in coming to Rotorua to uh, look at trying to do what he could to to bring Māori into mainstream health services. And I think to some extent he did succeed, particularly with his work with the 28th Battalion members, but also in his um, being received at various marae throughout the Rotorua area. I think they called him the White Tohunga, didn't they? <laughs> they did. the time oh. of his funeral. And they, um, one of the chief um, spoke for an hour with a, with a eulogy and it poured with rain and that was a really good sign. Mm. The, the gods were... Yeah, um, but he was, most, he was a most exceptional man. Um, and I think the Mayo Clinic or one of the clinics in America followed his lead in how to rehabilitate people. So he they did, particularly uh, people with cast, um, uh, people with polio, uh, and, yeah. and they asked for his cast to see what he was doing. Yes, that's really interesting. Like, um, I guess it's it's a part of this town's history that. Um, if you don't know, you don't know it. Like, it's not easily accessible, I think. No, it's not. No, I know. These things are sort of faded away. And I think that's what's lovely about this very generous exhibition. This works here, isn't it? Aren't there in that nobody's seen? Is that right? <laughs> there, there are. So yeah. when when um, my grandfather died, he died suddenly. So mm -hmm. he left the studio full of unfinished works of one sort or another. And my mother took most of those. So the better ones were framed and she hung them in her house. But there were two or three hundred boards that were just stacked away and nobody oh. ever saw them. Uh, she pulled them out in the, in the last years of her life and then we've gone through them again. And uh, 
a number of the number of the paintings in this exhibition belong to to those works. Yeah. And to us, they're really interesting because they show the way that he was thinking. Mm. So you see his final work, but you also see some of the thought process expressed in the paintings mm. of how he got to those final works. So uh, where's the family find them very interesting? Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. Actually, I saw them many times out at Innes's cottage at Hamurana, mm. and um, it was just like a treasure trove of things that oh. nobody had ever seen, just stacked and stacked by the wall. But the other day I was down at our off-site storage building where some of the works are being prepared, and they are beautiful, Ian. They are really stunning. Mm, Natasha told mm. me that they, the unfinished ones, framed, yeah. look finished. They look finished, <laughs> wow. but they just are yes. really special. And I just loved going out to Innes's house and... It's like it was like a treat, really, to see all this this even unfinished art. But and her cottage, she had it. Um, she had works on the wall. It it was just a little slice of something, just very innocent and and very much this this valuing of her father's work as well. Yes, yeah. She she was um, felt very strongly that she was championing his works. Mm. And and that's in a sense what the family are now carrying on is is just exposing his works, making sure that he is seen and allowing others to, to enjoy them in the way that we've enjoyed them because there's not that many of his works that are outside the family. Mm-hmm. So it's important that the family shows them as much as possible. Mm. I particularly love the, the landscape paintings, Waimangu and Tarawera and the way that he was struggling to find these shapes within the landscape. And um, I think, in a, wasn't there something about the, the space in between, didn't we have a we had a show called that that he was always struggling with the shapes and and the colours of this very unusual mud pool. Mm and volcanic landscape. Well, it's nice that we're able to kind of expose his memory to the public mm-hmm. a bit more as well. But what I found quite good is that it kind of links towards the history of the yeah. building as well, yeah. you know, because we used to be a doctor's house. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was a balneologist's house right, yeah. right from the very first. Dr. Wallman didn't approve terribly much. He thought it wasn't flash enough, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think he got over that. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Wallman would be thrilled that we named one of the houses after <laughs> and him. it's come to a very good use and one that mm. Innes just absolutely adored and was totally a backer of right from the start as she was for so many things isn't that right Ian I think 30 31 organizations that she was part of and she wasn't yes. just sort of a member she was there wasn't she she was very much there in fact I went through her diary mm. And you can see, I think when she was 80, she only had 40 days free in the whole year that she wasn't doing something with some organisation or another or a grandchild's birthday or something like that. So she was hugely involved in her community and she loved Rotorua. She lived continuously in Rotorua, as she said, on one side of the lake or the other for over 100 years. And so she, she felt very that this was her community and she both offered herself to the community and her talents and her enthusiasm but she also got a great deal back from mm, the community yeah. basically living as a single woman out in the out of Tamirana which was used to be very isolated not so much now Extremely isolated, and so the community yeah. <laughs> community was enormously important to her yeah. and so we had this give and take and uh, yeah 
But it was interesting because I was thinking about this today and what I think, almost as she got older into her 80s and 90s, but she crossed generations. Mm. She could relate to people of any generation and she crossed worlds, Māori and Pākehā, with ease and she did it with this grace. And if I ever have a word I think of, Ian, within us, it's grace. Even the day she danced on her 100th birthday down at QE in the ballroom... It was grace that was the thing that really stayed in my mind. She was very elegant. She was. Thank you. Oh, it's so cool hearing these stories because I've only been in Rotorua for like less than five years. Mm. And I do hear their name, especially working here at the village. I yeah. do hear their name. I mean, and I've seen your name in the picture of the arts <laughs> committee. We've got, <laughs> so that's how I like recognize your name. So but, like, it's cool, like just learning more about them. Oh, and, it, yeah. Well, I mean, this is, Ian, shall I read out that list of all the of the organizations? Because <laughs> <laughs> floral art... Embroidery spinning, rugs for refugees, that was a big one. She loved wow. that. Zonta Red Hatters mm-hmm. Jazz Club, and she went along to that. Friends of the <laughs> Museum, yeah. Prison Fellowship, Homeless Trust, Hospice and QE Trust, among others. <laughs> and wow. there was others. And and she didn't just sort of she was she was there. Mm. She was interested. People felt better when Innes arrived. Once you wouldn't believe this Ian, but one of the last times I got her to speak at the museum. She came in and was totally in charge and did it beautifully and spoke beautifully. And then I went out and found that she'd just parked her car in the middle of the road with the doors open. (laughs) (laughs) The driving was a wee bit suspect. (laughs) Oh, yes, it was. um, Of course, living in the Hangarani, you had to have a car, otherwise you'd be completely isolated. And she really resented her doctor telling her when she was age 99 that she really couldn't drive a car (laughs) No. (laughs) Every time we went to the doctor after that, she'd ask them whether she was able to drive again and he'd politely say no. It was an interesting little challenge between them. Yeah, people people looked after her. Sue Van Dorsler used to take her places and check on her. And ironically and sadly, Sue died before she did. Yes. But the, the community just loved her and we were graced by her presence. She sounds lovely. I'm sad mm. I didn't get to meet her. Yeah, but me too. She liked a good joke too. <laughs> <laughs> and one, well, I couldn't believe my eyes. Once I went to a, um, a Glen Campbell concert and who's there? Innes. <laughs> <laughs> So she was a fan of Glenn Campbell's above other and jazz and all sorts of other music Mm. um, and opera and anything that was creative. Yeah, I often wondered, Ian, what would have happened if she'd stayed in London at the drama school there and um, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts? What it's like those sliding doors? Mm. Whether that that she would have been world famous. Or, but we'll never know, but she's she's famous for us. But that was that interesting pathway that divided and she had to come back to New Zealand. Yes, so she, she had that opportunity, but she never regretted it, yeah. never regretted coming back. Yeah. And so she then got married, of course, had children yeah. and couldn't really start it up again. But she invested in the uh, in drama opportunities in Rotorua mm. and mm. also particularly in ballet. Yeah. Uh, for a long period. And yeah, but she never expressed a regret. She yeah. always said she was accepted and uh, she would have loved to have done it, but 
never regretted the one moment that she didn't. Uh, she just loved her time here in Mordor. The other thing to me, I just realised she was an icon for the elderly. <laughs> and, you know, who else but in, us, in her 90s could start a whole series of books of writing and books of people's stories of living in this area. So, you know, wow. it became quite cool to be old Sort of, but it's very different from the, you know, something quite sad and, and, and bedraggled and beaten about some elderly. Never <laughs> in us, never in us, no, no. And if ever, ever I could be even slightly like her, I'd be pleased. Oh, she sounds like a great lady. Could I just ask, like, what kind of sparked the idea to, you know, do this huge undertaking, really? Displaying all his work and renaming a gallery and <laughs> <laughs> everything. What kind of started all this? It was a small spark. I looked after my mother in her last years, and we used to come into the village and wander around, she in her wheelchair in the end. Mm. And we kept on seeing the names of these doctors who she knew, particularly Dr. Dr. Bridgman. Mm. I think there's a Bridgman room yep, and there's do. certainly a Dr. Herbert room. Yes. And they were names that were very familiar to her. And uh, I think it just occurred to her, wouldn't it be nice if, if there was a Wallace room as well of some sort? And so at that time, when we were thinking about that, the village were thinking about a revamp of Studio One. Mm. So really the two ideas came together that mm. we'd be able to make a donation that would cover the revamp of Studio One and the renaming of the gallery would take place then. So that was where it started. She started it. She isn't alive to see it finished, but she certainly mm. knew it was happening and that it would happen. And we're just hoping that this will lead to other things as well. We have an idea now just talking about this morning with somebody from it's associated with the Pacto Trust down in Wellington about mm. a, a further exhibition perhaps next year on a different theme. So, um, yeah, we're just hoping that this will develop into something. Mm, I'm sure he'll he'll take over New Zealand. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it'll be, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, will be. He will be. Wilfred Stanley yeah. Wallace will be in the lineup of what happened in, at that time and, and how landscape painting changed forever. Mm. So, yeah, he's, he's so. there. Yeah, I've been really enjoying hearing all these stories. I'd like to think that because we've got community members like Dr. Wallace and Innes, like fostering all their time and passion into like all these different community groups, I feel like that's why we've got such, well, what I see is quite a close-knit and like thriving arts community. Not just arts, I think we've got like a strong like theatre groups in here. We've got the Shambles and musical theatre group and we've all got the musicians in here and the Blues Club and yeah, all of these community members we've got, I feel like they're there because we've got awesome people like them. Yes, and we're way back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's a generous spirit. Mm. It's the generous spirit to encourage the community. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's still standing, I mm. guess, just because, I mean, this town has been through so many ups and downs recently. You know, everything's closed. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and we do live in a volcano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but people are still around and there's still, you know, stuff going on, which I think is really admirable. And I think we're realising how important the arts are mm. at times like this. And yeah. uh, Rotorua has proven resilient as it has done in the past. And I'd just like to acknowledge you, Anne, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you know, we have my grandfather and, and my mother and her generation, and then we have 
people like yourself who've picked it up and carried it on and kept it kept the arts community mm. going and then we have a new generation coming through that's that looks to be doing the same sort of thing. And it's just wonderful that there is a legacy which people are enjoying and picking up and carrying on and making it their own. And I just think the sort of things that you're doing are just fabulous. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I shall float home now and have my tea. Very kind, Ian. <laughs> yeah, it's been lovely dealing with you, mm. Ian. I have to say, I'm not leaving because of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worried me when I was told that you were leaving. <laughs> I thought, oh, my oh. God, what have I done yeah. now? <laughs> but uh, I've enjoyed working with you, so thank you very much. Uh, well, before we all cry, I guess, um, <laughs> we'll wrap up. I don't know if it's worth asking, but uh, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> anything, any last thing you want to mention? No, no. Oh, gosh, well, that community exhibition in aid of St. Faith's down at the Lockwood uh, mm. Show Homes is worth a look. Mm. And there are some works for sale, but that's um, just another part of my co-pup. Okay, so shall we wrap up? Thank you so much for yeah. um, talking to us, Ian, and thank you for coming in, Anne. <laughs> Even our, our little um, janky setup that's flipped in and out, <laughs> but it worked. Thank you so much. It's been lovely um, chatting with both of you. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. Can't wait to see the exhibition. And thank you for your support. <laughs> no, thank you for your support yeah. too. Yeah. Thank you. I can't wait to see everything um, mm. inside. And oh, I can't wait either. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at The Arts Village. Um, we are Rotorua Arts Village on Facebook and our website is theartsvillage.org.nz. Become a supporter of The Village on our website. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the word. And we'd like to thank Rotorua Civic Arts Trust for kindly funding this podcast. If you would like to be featured or know someone you want to be featured, let us know at activities at artsvillage.org.nz. We are your hosts, Tara Prieto and George. Francis and this was produced by Joshua T. Davis. Thank you to Anne Somerville and Ian Fraser, we can say Anne Fraser, <laughs> um, <laughs> for being our lovely guests. Thank you so Great. much. <laughs> Woohoo. Thanks, Ian. Good. Hey, thank you very much. Look, uh, I don't mind you editing me up completely. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>